Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. The first reading comes from Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figlia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deed of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Continuing on our Acts 2 Pentecost story as Luke tells us. And Carl did a pretty good job with all those cities, didn't he? In that first section. Way to go, Carl. All right, we're picking up right where he left off on Acts 2.14. If you remember, all of this weird stuff was happening, and they said, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine, trying to dismiss it, as we often do when we see God at work. Chapter 14, but Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who lived in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. 
Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, friends, we know this story. This is Pentecost Sunday. The last four or five weeks, we've been using Greek words in worship. If you remember, we started with oikos, which was household or family. Then we went to paraclete, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, paracumel in alongside, that which comes alongside and walks with us through this life and the next. Um, Last week, uh, Aaron used uh, apero to talk about the the word to rise or to ascend as Jesus ascended. And today, it's easy. You already know it. It's Pentecost. Um, That is simple Greek word. The penta is for five or 50 days since Easter. And we took over what our Jewish friends had as the festival of weeks, And this was the time that for them, it was 50 days since Passover that they celebrated the end of their harvest. Everything in agrarian culture was all about the cyclical time of planting and growing and then harvesting. This was the harvest time of giving thanks. It was also the time where they celebrated the giving of the law as Moses descended from Mount Sinai with with the law, the commandments. Uh, And from that is where we pick up 50 days from Easter, we come to this time where the disciples still don't get it. Poor disciples. I might say the same about us, and we have plenty of time that has has, uh, 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 passed since that time. But imagine again what they've been through. They've already traveled with Christ They learned, they saw him, he healed, he taught, did all the things that we know Christ did. Then they lost him as he was crucified. They were grieving and then he came back on Easter and they welcomed him back and starting to figure it out again for a certain amount of time, he appeared to them in different ways so they knew darn well that he was alive and it was him in bodily and spiritual form together. And then he says, you're going to lose me again. I'm going away again. Come on. So Jesus ascends roughly the same time. The spirit descends today at, in Luke's telling of Pentecost. Now there's a quiet giving of the spirit in John's gospel, right when Jesus appears to them post crucifixion and right as he shows himself to them. But that is for they who are locked in that room, that smaller group of disciples. He appears to them. Remember that's doubting Thomas. And he blows his spirit and gives them peace. 
That's John's account of the Holy Spirit, but that was for those disciples in that small place. Today's giving of the Spirit is not a still small voice of God. It is not one where we seek discernment and try to read the signs. This is God coming at you full force and with all power. No one could look at the events of what's happening here and pretend like God was not working and moving. They were in this room, in this house, and the wind comes first. A violent, like a violent rushing wind. Something's happening. There's a small tornado in your house. Something is going on. Then, like tongues of fire, descend and sit upon them. And it is then that they start speaking. And all those who had gathered, this was a travel festival, this festival of weeks, they spill out into the street, into the community, and people are saying, how can these Galilean rednecks, how can these Galilean hick, they're not educated. They don't speak my language. All those cities and places that Carl read, all of them are different languages and many of them different races. How is it that this little group of uneducated backwater Galileans are now speaking in all of our languages so that we hear? Which prompts them to say something, what? No, they're not just, ah, uh, they're drunk. And Peter steps up. And he says, no, they're not. And quotes the prophet Joel, that something new is happening Something new in creation is forming. So what is all that about? Let's take a step back. If you remember all the way back to Advent, who is maybe one of the most singular prophets, not Isaiah, that we read as preparing the way for the coming of Christ? John the Baptist, well done, well proclaimed, yes. And John the Baptist comes to do what? How did he get his name? He baptized people. Yes, he baptized people. This is our baptismal font. He came and he baptized them. And what and how did he baptize them? With water, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Immersion, baptized for, what did he tell them they had to do? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. In John the Baptist's baptism, there was no sign of the Holy Spirit. What? Jesus had not yet come. The Spirit descended when Jesus was baptized, but all those people that John baptized, it was for forgiveness and repentance. I baptize you in the repentance of sin, the forgiveness of sin. There's an evolution of baptism here that is fascinating. Then Jesus is baptized and the Spirit descends. But if you remember, when they were asking John the Baptist who he was, he said, I baptize you with water. 
That's pretty much all I can do in my limited scope as a human being. But one will come whose sandal I'm not worthy to carry or thong untie, who will baptize you in spirit and fire or far, depending on where you hail from. Spirit and fire. That means John is admitting, I don't do those things in my baptism, but when Christ comes, that will come. And so in our baptisms, we talk about the presence of the Spirit. And there's a new element that comes here. The new element for today is fire. And I'll talk about the tongues of fire a little bit later, but for now, I want us to know that this fire is a baptism of sorts. That phrase has become common in, popu in, in popular culture as a phrase, baptized in fire, right? Even by folks who have no connection to baptism. It's when you do something new or you're thrown in to something difficult and you just got to get in there and figure it out. Maybe you're leading something, maybe there's something you don't know much about, but you're jumping in and you're going to figure it out. You are baptized by fire. Within the water, the Spirit does come. And today, the fire comes as well. And out of the baptism understanding of the Spirit is this fire. And this fire, may we ask, should we ask, well, do we all have to be baptized in fire like those disciples at Pentecost? Well, no, because from here on, there's no record of other people being baptized and fire descending upon them either. So this is unique to this Pentecost experience. Now, fire in different ways, yes, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But in this Pentecost giving, it is the spirit that comes and joins at baptism. And today it is the fire that also baptizes us into who the spirit is calling us to be, how it is shaping us as we live our lives seeking to be closer to Christ. Baptized in spirit and fire. Number two, something like a violent rushing wind. Now, here, that both the fire that descended and the wind was like these things. It didn't say it, there was a wind or there was fire on their heads. It was like that. They are trying to describe this supernatural event in terms that other humans can understand. Suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It in it filled the entire house where they were sitting. What does that mean to us? It means that this spirit, this breath, this wind that comes from God is creating something new. If you go back to Genesis 1, 1, 
There was void in darkness, void in chaos. Tohu vavohu is the Hebrew for that. And God breathed God's breath. And then order started. Creation started. God breathes and life comes forward. We know this a few chapters later. Genesis 3, when Adam is created, he's just a lump of stuff, looking humanish, until God breathes God's breath into him and gives him life. Ezekiel has his valley of the dry bones, brings all the hip bone and the leg bone connected to him. All together, again, they are now human stuff right there, but not until God breathes God's breath, God's wind, do they become human and breathes new life and creation into them. This is something new. This is a new creation that God is doing through this spiritual breath that he is empowering not just his disciples, but all of those present. Thousands, we think, were present as later in the chapter, 3,000 are baptized. So God's wind does new things and gives life. God's breath, God's spirit, God's wind. It was there in the house and started as if to say, ooh, something's happened. Then, yes, tongues of fire. Vicky said it, that's a little weird. A tongue of fire rested on their heads. It looked just like this. Tongues of fire rested on their heads. What in the world does that mean? Did it burn them like Joe Pesci in Home Alone? Remember, that catches his head on fire. He feels that, and that causes pain. The disciples are not on fire. This is very much like the presence of God at the burning bush with Moses. Fire was present, but it was not consuming. There are times when fire is present that it does stand for judgment. Not here. Because when these flames descend, what's the next thing that happens? They start speaking in these languages that they don't speak. It is through these tongues of flame that the, the Spirit gives them their power, their gifts. These flames descend as God has done again in other times and places as fire that does not harm. It is reminiscent of the Malachi, Malachi's refiner's fire. The Spirit comes through this flame and it is that which seeks to refine us through the power of the flame and the heat for the rest of our lives. The churchy word for that is sanctification. Justification is a one-time Jesus did it for us on the cross, made humanity right with God. Sanctification 
is every day then moving forward. As we seek to be closer to God, the Spirit helps us. As we seek to know who we are in the world is, in our community is, through the Spirit, it is this flame that dwells within our hearts and lives that continues to mold us and shape us as we seek to live this journey as disciples, as faithful as those first 12. 11. Plus Matthias, they just brought in to replace Judas. So the tongues of flame, again, are unique to this story. Fire is all over the place, but in the way that it functioned here. It empowered them, just like the, the Spirit empowers us every day with gifts. The Spirit is not any different today than it was in that time and in that place. So today, as we celebrate this Pentecost Sunday, this giving of the Spirit, we are being baptized again by the wind that comes to give us new life, by the baptism and unity through the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ in a way we can never be separated. And we celebrate how that fire rested upon them and gave them the gifts of the Spirit that we too possess. It was a turning point. From that time forward, they had their mission. They were united. All the pieces of the puzzle they had, but they couldn't put the puzzle together until the Spirit descended upon them. And all of a sudden, Peter steps up. No more waffling. No more denying. No more, I don't get it. No more, who is the greatest? He starts to preach because the Spirit fills them and connects all of that within them. It's seen as the birthday of the church. Why? Because from this point, it pivots and they go out into the world to tell everybody about the risen Christ. Acts is the first book of the Bible after the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. Why? We hear the stories of Jesus. We see the event in Christ and the book of Acts is now how they and we respond to it. And the necessary piece of this is the spirit descending to help them fill all the gaps, give them the courage and the gifts to then go into the world to proclaim that Christ has risen. So today, friends, we celebrate this Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit. And I invite us in this time of prayer to open our hearts and our minds. We are no different than those disciples. And let us be convicted again today to go forward to bear the good news in a world that is filled with bad news. And know that we've been given the gifts that we need to build the kingdom here and now. Please pray with me. Lord, your spirit is in this place. Open our hearts and our minds and let your spirit descend and fill us all as individuals and as a community. None of those disciples received your spirit on their own. They were part of the larger community. 
So help us to see that your design is for us to be empowered together to bring the puzzle piece you give each one of us and all bring it together so that that community, that kingdom can be filled. Give us the courage to now pivot, to receive your spirit and to go out and share with others that which we know that they are special, called, and loved in the eyes of the resurrected Christ through the Holy Spirit that walks with us every day of this life and then will bring us to the next. Lord, in this moment of silence, help us to open our hearts and fill us yet again with the joyful conviction of your Holy Spirit. Fill us. Hallelujah. Amen.